been able to shine, you, you need to pick the hill that you're going to own, and this is going to be my shining hill. If you had unlimited resources, I think you could pick every hill that pops up and go with the flow. Okay, MySpace is dead. We don't need to be on MySpace. You know, we can go with the ebb and flow of what's hot and what's not. But we don't have unlimited resources, so we need to be really focused on the hills that we can do well on and that we can own. Hey, welcome to the Higher Ed Storytelling University podcast on the Bee Podcast Network. This is a podcast dedicated to helping higher ed marketers tell better stories, create better content, and enroll more students. My name is John Azoni. I'm the founder at Unveiled. We're a video production company working specifically with college marketing teams on automating and scaling up their student alumni success stories through a subscription approach. And you can learn more about that on our website at unveiled.tv. Unveiled is spelled U-N-V-E-I-L-D. Uh, if you want to chat with me directly, you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, last name is spelled A-Z-O-N-I, or uh, you can find my contact info on the contact page of our website. Also, if you want to create a deeper emotional impact with your institution's uh, storytelling and, and content creation efforts, consider joining my newsletter, because every week I send out a dose of insights and inspiration, including uh, case studies and best practices from other institutions, tips for creating content that resonates and inspires action, uh, that week's podcast episode, and much more. The link to sign up is in the show notes of the episode, or if you catch my posts on LinkedIn, chances are there will be a link in one of those posts. All right, Darren Rubinick, welcome to the podcast. Darren, you are the senior marketing lead at Central or University of Central Missouri, and you are formerly in leadership at Avila University. So welcome to the show and tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, thank you, John. I'm honored and appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, I've recently taken the position here at the University of Central Missouri, UCM. This is my first, we were just talking earlier, this is my first move-in day. So the fall season is starting, and really, this is my eighth year in higher ed, so I'm, um, I'm still, you know, things are still shiny and amazing to me, um, which is pretty cool. Um, prior to joining Avila, I spent an entire lifetime um, on the agency side, small agency in Kansas City, really doing a lot of B2B, B2C, for, and wearing a lot of hats, and it transfers beautifully into higher ed. So it's great. I couldn't be happier. Well, you posted, the reason we got you on here, you posted something on LinkedIn that really kind of resonated with me because I was kind of feeling that way at the time, and it was something about, you know, trying to keep up with all the keep up with the Joneses on, on all these social media platforms and what to focus on, what not to focus on, that, that kind of thing. So we got you here. I wanted to just have a conversation with somebody that's also thinking about those things currently too. So I appreciate you being here. First off, let's see, tell us maybe a story from your life that people might be surprised to know about you. Let's kick it off that way. Yeah. And this is my icebreaker story. It's it's not so much of a, well, it's a bit of a story, but it's always the icebreaker one. So I went to high school with Brad Pitt. And so, I, to be honest, I don't remember him that much, but he signed my yearbook, so I have evidence that I was actually there. Wow. And it's obvious, yeah, and it's and it's obvious from what he said that we had a PE class together. So then I just kind of make the titillating leap, well, we must have then showered together. So I've showered <laughs> with, with Brad Pitt. That's my lead in any ice-breaking conversation. That's amazing. Brad Pitt signed your yearbook. He signed my yearbook, Yeah. Yeah, he did. He's a year older, so you know I still have time to become the world's sexiest man. But yeah, used to yeah, you're on your way. You're well I'm on, on your way. way. I think I'm on my way. 
that's cool i have a, a similar to, i mean i didn't I, I didn't go to high school with madonna but i went to madonna's high school okay, um, yeah and so she's like on the wall at, at rochester adams high school you know in like the the old yearbooks from like i don't know it was like the the 80s or something and so she's on there and my history teacher and also who was also my gym like pe teacher was her cheerleading coach way back in the day and they interviewed her on some vh1 like behind the music of madonna okay so she was yeah, on tv yeah. it was like very weird I, I don't even think i saw that episode i should google it and see if it's out there but yeah that's that's our claim to fame here is madonna madonna is you know madonna's <laughs> from like 20 minutes from where i where i live i'm sure she's she i don't know if she's been back <laughs> right right since. did they change the mascot to the madonna's at some point you know <laughs> just to really play up on that that notoriety yeah yeah so and okay well that's great to know thanks for sharing that with us sure speaking, speaking of celebrities and if people listening uh li listen to my bart kaler episode that we just released as of today we're released that yesterday we're recording this on the day after the release of that we talked all about ai and so putting into practice some things that i learned from bart i went on chat gpt in preparation for this episode and i said <laughs> i told the robots i said i'm interviewing darren rubinick on the higher storytelling university podcast this is my exact prompt we will be discussing social media platform overwhelm and how there are so many social media outlets popping up it's harder for higher ed marketers to keep up with them and know what to do. Lots of fear missing out. Here's where it gets good. Act like Oprah and give me a list of deep thought provoking questions to ask him that will get at the heart of people's pain points <laughs> with all these social media platforms to keep up with. <laughs> all right. Okay. And the first iteration was very, was just very, I don't think it maybe it like didn't pick up on the Oprah part of it. <laughs> so it was just very generic <laughs> questions. So whatever you do, like a regenerated, I said, make me mm -hmm. sound more like Oprah. And so here, <laughs> I'm going to pepper in this episode, right. a few Oprah questions. So these are apparently things that Oprah would say. So she would greet you like this. Well, hello there, Darren. Picture this. <laughs> Higher ed marketers are caught in a whirlwind of new social media platforms popping up left and right. How can they find that aha moment between innovation and overwhelming FOMO, fear of missing out. I actually think that's a good question. We'll start mm -hmm. there because that might yeah. kick us off. What would you say? I think to me, it plays on a lot of levels. Higher ed marketing departments are notoriously thin resourced. And yet there is a, I think there's a, a just a kind of a natural pressure to, because you're dealing with students and recruitment of young adults, you need to be where they are. We need to be, you know, this is the latest and greatest thing. We have to be there. And there's this fear. If you're not there, then you're missing out. And it comes up. It came up with threads. I think that was the LinkedIn post was we were talking about mm -hmm. threads. And it came up with that. And I like to take a breath. And my philosophy really is looking at the resources that you have. What can you do really well? And without just trying to be everywhere all at once, where are the platforms that you can do really well and focus on those. Sure, experiment with threads, but don't devote a lot of resources to it until you have the resources to really dive into it or you find that your other platforms just really aren't performing and you need to change up. And so part of my unofficial policy rule is if we're going to bring threads into the mix, 
then I need to get off one of the other platforms. And so again, Threads was kind of easy because we weren't really paying a lot of attention to Twitter. So, okay, if we're going to really try to figure out Threads, then we need to stop putting our, our time and resources to Twitter and use that into Threads. There are only so many hours of the day. There's only so much you can do. And I just really don't subscribe to that school of thought of just put stuff out everywhere and hope that something sticks. I mm-hmm. think you should be somebody somewhere. I may not get the reach that others are getting, but I hope I'm developing the content and the engagement with that smaller audience on whatever platform we're using. So I try to take a deep breath and not to have that FOMO. Mm-hmm. It's not easy, but I try. I was scrolling through TikTok yesterday and someone was talking about FOMO and the woman goes, I don't have FOMO, I have JOMO, joy of missing out. She's like, I, I yeah. see all these people clamoring after the next thing and I'm just happy that I'm doing what's working. <laughs> uh, right. If it ain't broke, don't necessarily fix it. Again, I, I don't want it to sound like we don't want to try new things. Right. But we have to take care of the things that we are doing well and, and build on those. Yeah. And I think it's an interesting conversation because on this podcast, I mean, I learned so much just from all y'all, you know, guests coming on here. And I mean, every guest, I feel like I leave, I go for a walk around my neighborhood and I'm just like, man, I got to do something different now. <laughs> you know, it's just like always challenging me. <laughs> so, you know, we've had multiple schools of thought on this, on this podcast. We've had uh, several people talking about quality over quantity things like you said, be someone, pick one thing, do it really well. If it's LinkedIn, if it's uh, Twitter, Facebook, whatever, X, whatever they call it now, do it really well, have a point of view, create really quality content. Don't feel like you have to post three times a day, four times a day, just do it, do it really well. And I've resonated with that. And then we've had the other side of the spectrum. And I think it is a very valid point too. We had Rob Clark on the show from his account is that tall family on, on TikTok, and he's gone viral. He's got over a million, uh, followers on TikTok, And he also consults with, I think it's Greenville university, a college in like Greenville, South Carolina, North Carolina, one of those anyways, but his, his whole philosophy is like cast a wider net. Like create vertical video content, but put it on reels, you know, YouTube shorts, TikTok, LinkedIn, that kind of thing. And I've actually tried that. And I think there's validity to that because his worldview is you don't really know what's going to take off. And he always says like the ones that swing at more pitches hit more home runs or something. He posted like mm-hmm. a graph recently that like proved that point, like from actual baseball data. But he, his philosophy is kind of like something eventually is going to take off on one of these like vertical video platforms and that's going to make up for all the ones that didn't go anywhere, you know, but you want to take advantage of all these different, you know, the different algorithms across, you know, reels and YouTube and TikTok. Rob, if you're listening to this, maybe I just butchered your whole <laughs> worldview. I might be getting an email that's like, that is not what I said, <laughs> but I've been experimenting with both. So LinkedIn for me, has been my primary because that's just where my audience is active kind of director level higher ed marketers but i've also seen some promise with using a social media tool i use social pilot and you can set up multiple accounts and really just like taking one vertical video that i'll post like clip from the podcast and with 
some extra clicks, you can cast that also to YouTube, Shorts, TikTok, things like that. And I'm always intrigued, like, it's not been, like, crazy good, but is it is good to see, like, some things I'm like, oh, this one got, like, 500 views versus on LinkedIn, it only got, like, 100 impressions or, or whatever. So there is something brewing, I feel like, in that sort of more viral potential kind of vertical video space like TikTok and, and Reels and stuff. But it does call into question this quantity versus quality thing. And I think there's really validity to both sides. But I think that does, you know, cause overwhelm. Yeah, I, you know, I agree. And it's not that we're not repurposing, you know, our focus is really Instagram and YouTube. Again, kind of because of the resources that we have around us. And so shorts and reels, but we're also, you know, we're also making sure that we do post it on Facebook. We do post it on TikTok. We do, you know, we, we do share that, but first and foremost, it needs to work on Instagram and YouTube for us. And I think the other part is with Rob and content creators is that that's their job is content creation and they can spend, they can spend 12 hours a day on content creation in a higher ed marketing department, social media is only one sliver of it. And we're wearing multiple hats and pressure's coming from multiple ways. So we can't spend 12 hours making TikTok videos. So where are we going to spend the time that we do have and spend it wisely? Yeah. So let me back up a little bit. So you were yeah. at Avila, mm -hmm. Avila University or college? Yes. Yeah. Avila University. Avila University. You've very recently moved over to UCM and your teams have been very different, as you told me in our mm -hmm. pre-call. Pre and as you're just talking about like resources to get the content made, tell me about the difference you've experienced with your teams at both universities. Yeah. So Avila is a small private institution in South Kansas City. My team, full-time employees at one time was maybe four or five when I left, there were three of us and none of us really had video skills, video talent. So while video is very important, it was hard for us to create video content. It took us a long time to, you know, to create video content, whereas more text-based or image-based, we could move that pretty quickly. So resource-wise, we focus more on still images, carousel, you know, type posts and not video, just simply because we didn't have the talent around us to utilize. And we were all wearing so multiple, multiple hats. So there were three of us, but, you know, we're still doing everything from commencement programs and theater posters and every flyer known to mankind. And, you know, occasionally you would have student workers who are really, I mean, I had a couple student workers who were just spectacular in the seven years that I was there, but then they graduate. And now what they were doing isn't necessarily going to be picked up by another student. And so you've got to pick up that load amongst the three of us. So it was very much, it was definitely more reactive than proactive. It was just pretty overwhelming, but that was really kind of where I, help me kind of develop that philosophy. We can't do everything. So let's make sure we do the, you know, let's prioritize and do the things that, that we can do um, well and build on that. You know, part of that FOMO is universities are also horrible at prioritizing. They never want somebody to feel like they're not as special as somebody else. And so marketing is this 
we're the fixers. How do we fix all of these important things? And how do we set priorities? Which is, again, I kind of picked up and learned on that at, at Avila. Then moving to UCN, it's a regional public. We are probably nine times the size of Avila. And so my team is kind of reflective of that as well. Uh, I'm in a department of 16, 17, and 10 are in the kind of design content creation, and I have really three strong videographers. So now it's like, okay, we have the resources now to produce and really work video. And that's why YouTube is going to be an important platform for us. Why Instagram and Reels and TikTok will be important because we now have the resources that we can use for that. So my role has really kind of shifted from a day-to-day -day doer to more of a day-to-day -day mentor and I'm kind of more of a creative director now yeah. in, you know, in that I have people, I don't have to go shoot anymore, which was a wild thing for me to, you know, first days, like, wait a minute, you mean I don't have to take a camera and go down there and monkey my way around and try to, you know, it was that really like, oh, this is awesome. This is really good because they're also so much better than I ever will be at their skills and talents. But with that nine times size comes also nine times kind of the type of work and the amount of work that we're doing across campus. I have a social media manager and he's also a great videographer. And so his focus really is, really is on social media, but we're trying to build this kind of integrated team where design is helping out. And my marketing specialists are providing content and we're working you know, kind of as a mini team within the team on, mm -hmm. on social. So that's really opened up a lot of opportunities for us. But again, outside of my media manager, I, you know, everybody has a lot of other projects too. So it's resource manager. So I'm a creative director and I'm a logistics resource manager too Yeah, yeah. in that regard. And that's, makes me think of, you know, the video team, the design team. Tell us about the inflow of work, because are you guys like pretty centralized? Like all the different programs are sending requests through your team for visuals and things like that? They should be. That doesn't always happen. But yeah, so anyone in the in the university can submit a, a job. I need a an image for this newsletter I'm sending out, or I want to send out a newsletter. Can you help me write, design, send out a newsletter? Or again, you know, we've got this theater coming up and here's the season. I need posters and I need this and that. Each department has their own budget. So they don't, our services don't cost them anything. But if they're printing something, if they have to, you know, if they need something printed, that comes out of their budget. So that kind of determines okay. what type of projects they're sending us. But, but yeah, anyone can. And, you know, so it's a mix. Some people still don't realize, I believe anyway, don't realize that we can help them and do this. So there's, you still have people who are doing it on their own just simply because they didn't know this was an option. Others know it's an option and know, well, I got Canva. I'm going to just do it, you know? And so in one of the roles that we also take is that brand police. And, you know, unfortunately we're the ones who, who oftentimes have to say no and with that no but or next time let us come in up front and we can do this together you can still do it but let us kind of help set you up for success 
so at the end you know we don't run into a into a no situation so it's a constant education also amongst you know amongst the university there are a lot of people here a lot of departments and we're just one and some people don't even know we exist and so how would you how do you manage like the balance between taking orders and then actually doing forward pushing content it's yeah it's hard so the way that we're organized we have four colleges and so we have four marketing specialists who each has a college and is responsible for for a college and so a lot of that work is making sure that their content on the website is up to date and is working from not only an seo standpoint but from a visitor standpoint so a lot of the work is just maintaining that website content as they work with the partners the hope is that we can be more proactive with the individual colleges with the individual departments and chairs but i don't think we're necessarily to that point yet we are still taking a lot of just kind of taking orders and just we just got to crank stuff out sometimes we're trying to get to a place where we can be more proactive and at least if somebody puts in a job i know you wanted a brochure but have you thought about what if we did a video you know and to bring those what ifs and those questions back and we're doing a better job of that so that's how we're kind of stepping into being more proactive but it's difficult it is it's a small university but it's still big you know it's there's still a lot of moving pieces yeah Quick break here to tell you about how you can scale up your student and alumni success stories without taking on a bunch of extra work to manage with our video storytelling subscriptions. So look, making even one video, as we all know, it takes a lot of legwork and lots of steps to go through. It's expensive and you gotta do all the coordinating and everything, you gotta hire a video vendor, you gotta hurt all the cats, and then you get usually like one video out of that. But what if you could get a year's worth of storytelling content that you could use uh, to highlight your various programs for the cost of maybe three or four one-off videos from a production company. Uh, but in this case, you have 132 videos at the end of the year uh, to deploy in your various social media um, contexts. Uh, well, that is uh, something that you can do. At Unveiled, our aim is to take the friction out of telling great stories. So whether you're a big school uh, or a small liberal arts college, you can tell really compelling stories all year round and fill your content calendar with video content. Uh, we get this done anywhere in the U.S. We batch shoot a year's worth of content and then every month drip out to you one new student or alumni story. Uh, and then we build a whole package of additional content around that student or alumni's uh, story for the month. Uh, so you're going to get that full uh, length story, which is usually two to three minutes. You'll get a 30 and a 15 second cut down. Uh, to use in various uh, shorter contexts. And then uh, eight topical videos, because while we have this student sitting here, we're gonna make sure we get the most out of them, asking about scholarships, asking about career development opportunities, internship opportunities, how great the professors are, Wh whatever it is, we'll work with your team on what are those things that we can uh, really get out of each student. So we're maximizing that engagement opportunity um, and getting you the most content as possible. And then we're gonna give you all the B-roll and all the interview content, all the raw stuff that you can take uh, internally and repurpose till the cows come home. There's a lot of additional content opportunities within that, unlimited amounts of whatever, TikToks, whatever you wanna make. Uh, so head over to pricing.unveiled.tv to download our pricing guide. You, uh, Unveiled is spelled U-N-V-E-I-L-D. 
The pricing guide has uh, everything in it that you need to know. And if you'd like to chat further, you can book a call with me on our website and I'd be happy to answer any questions that you may have. All right, let's get back to the show. So YouTube makes sense. Instagram, TikTok and all that stuff makes sense. But <laughs> you said your main focuses are YouTube and Instagram. So tell me about what kind of content are you posting on each? Yeah, we tend to focus heavier on traditional undergraduate recruitment. And so it is, it's slice of life stories, it's uh, student stories. We are in a, a small town in, in Missouri, Warrensburg, Missouri, which is about 50 miles from Kansas City, the closest larger metropolitan area. Most students, if you were to ask a high school student, what do you know about Warrensburg? Have you heard of, you know, they have an impression of, you know, a small, more rural town. Um, if you ask them about the university, then they kind of have that same impression. Well, it must be small. And they, so what we're trying to do with our reels and with our YouTube is to show the campus because it really is a big campus in a small community. It's surprising what it looks like. And it surprises a lot of, of students. They didn't think they would find that in, in Warrensburg. I would expect to find that in Kansas City, sure, in St. Louis, yes, but not in in Warrensburg. So it's a lot of it is just showing what we look like. But then also, and I guess kind of in the same way, what do our students look like and sound like and what are their desires and their challenges and their struggles and how have they succeeded here? Those are the type of stories that we're trying to tell more and more. So it's trying to give an insider look to a community that you may or may not have an impression of at all. So storytelling does play a pretty significant role then. Yeah, ab absolutely. We probably lean a little too heavy on, you know, 94% get scholarships, 97% yeah. are in, in a career, you know, we probably lean a little too heavy on, but it's really the stories that give you an idea of, am I a right fit for this university? Because not everybody is, but I just need to get it out there so you can make that decision on your own. Is this a right fit for me? Can I see myself there and succeeding there? So I think stories do the best, best at telling that. Yeah, I agree. Have you seen like a difference in engagement between stories versus the more statistical stuff or? You know, nothing that I could point to and say, you know what, this post put five people into, into seats. You know, nothing like that, but engagement-wise, I think you definitely get more engagement when people see a face and a person. And that engagement may just be, hey, John, I saw your video, you know, or mom is tagging the aunts and uncles or whatever, you know. But again, whether it's positive or negative comments, you get more comments when you're showing a person and you know that they're at least watching it and engaging with it more statistical it's hard because oh yeah i like it i guess you know it's it's easy to scroll past yeah scroll past the numbers it might make a dent in their brain and you would never know but you know if they scrolled past it they might be like oh okay cool and you know, yeah. they don't engage with it but it made an impact on them you know yes. in some way so when you are filming you're doing videos for reels versus youtube i know there's kind of this fork in the road of like all right, do we create horizontal videos for YouTube 
and then somehow crop them vertically or do we have someone also come to the shoot with an iphone do we make that vertical thing like a separate thing do we have the student film themselves like tell me about how you guys are managing that it's probably a mixed bag i think our two main videographers are primarily shooting horizontal but they're shooting in 4k with the idea of their eye that this is probably going to be also used vertically so they go into the shoot kind of thinking it's going to go both ways. My social media manager, he's definitely shooting more just verticals straight out, you know, when he's shooting. And even though we have these three videographers, we want to do more video. We definitely want to do more student work. So we'll have student workers and the hope and the idea is that they will be shooting and they will be doing more iPhone stuff, more man on the street type video. Those are the pieces that are really kind of missing out of our, our puzzle because we aren't in the places that students are all the time. We're still on the edges. We shouldn't be in, inside. That's where the students should be. So I'd like to see that POV. So yeah. we're going to be using more kind of student help with that. Cool. And I know that there's always been kind of a, maybe not a debate or but people noticing that this more like down to earth sort of lo-fi look like to vertical videos mm -hmm. seems to fit in better than maybe something that was filmed on a cinematic camera with a shallow depth of field with blurry background that kind of thing and i actually kind of held that view for a long time but really in the last month or so i've been seeing stuff in tiktok that looks like it was shot very well or repurposed and i'm like like that actually fits like that so i kind of feel like at least I'm seeing in my algorithm, the pendulum swinging a little bit the other way where people, you know, schools shouldn't be afraid to film something horizontally and make it look nice and then repurpose that. I think maybe the difference is like, if it's clearly a commercial, like you're starting with a drone shot and there's this inspiring song and then there's this inspiring, mm -hmm. you know, voiceover poetically speaking, that's different. That doesn't really fit. But, but yeah, I mean, just from what I've seen, it appears that there's kind of being a shift maybe a little bit towards quality being accepted too, as well as just some more lo-fi stuff. Yeah, I think that's part of what's the story that they're telling with that cinematic shot, you know? Because I think that's what's resonating more than whether it looks like it's raw and authentic. Is the story authentic? Is, is what they're saying authentic? And that's probably me because I come from a writing background. So words are, you know, words are king. So is the, is yeah. the story and what the messaging, what they're saying is that's authentic. It really doesn't matter how it's shot necessarily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So on this podcast, we talk a lot about video, but I appreciate having guests that come on with a text-based perspective. So tell me a little bit about like, what are you bringing to the team that has you guys doing more text-based storytelling, content creation, if anything, you know, are you guys like really like 90% video or what else is going on that you... Yeah, we're definitely not 90% video. video. Yeah, we're probably still rather text heavier, you know, maybe 70, 30 text still image to video. I think that will, will change. I mean, because I think that kind of our emphasis is is shifting to utilize video more so i think that will will change but i think there's always still a place for for that still image i mean instagram has changed and evolved over time but it's still a visual first medium you know and that can be a really engaging still image as well as video image you know i, I think from a a writing background and writing perspective 
I hope what I'm bringing is editing. I think in, in general, people like to talk too much or type too much. They just, mm -hmm. you know, and so I hope I'm bringing editing to it. I, you know, I'm a firm, I don't know, I'm a firm believer of whether you're doing a billboard or not, your message should be seven to 11 words and be instantly recognized, you know, understood at 55 miles an hour. Exactly. Uh, even if you're not doing a billboard, that's where you start and then you can expand on it. And so I, I hope that what I'm bringing is that editor's eye. Are we just being fluffy here? You know, or right. how do we say this more succinctly? Yeah, content creation and arriving at quality, I think, is almost as much about what you put into it as what you leave out. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think it's it's just about, I think like, you know, for me when I'm writing an email newsletter or whatever it is, I usually just kind of like just go free, free thinking, whatever, just write. And then I'm usually like, this is way too long. I need like the things that I think like, oh, this is great. I got to include this usually end up, you know, I'm kind of like, okay, maybe I, this is getting too long. I might need to cut that part and then just kind of boil it down. And so I think that's important, especially, you know, in this day, day and age of short attention spans. But yeah, I think people think a lot about what am I going to say? But then it, you also have to have an equal eye on like, what am I going to not say? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's definitely, definitely true. Um, and, you know, I, I've always thought if you're going to write, there's a place for a long copy too. Yeah. But you've got to be such a much better writer because I now need to, to move you through from paragraph to, you know, sentence to sentence, not even paragraph to paragraph. So your writing has to be so engaging and you have to be such – yeah, like short copy to me is a, is a crutch because I don't think – I'm not that good a writer, you know, that you're going to want to read all, all of this mm -hmm. text. But I think I am a good short. I'm a good burst. I'm a sprinter. Yeah, and I think it matters the platform and the context because I think a lot about, you know, this podcast, when I first started, the first few episodes were like 20 minutes long. And to me, I'm like, wow, that's really long. Who's going to listen to me talk for 20 minutes? Uh, but now they average about an hour and I don't edit much. My editor, I instruct her just to kind of cut out the egregious errors, you know, <laughs> cut out some of that, things like that. But I noticed like, I mean, for me, when I go to listen to a podcast, I'm deciding to invest in a long journey and I actually want it to be longer. Like that's for me personally, I will, if I'm going to listen to an episode about a topic and it's like 10 minutes long, I'm like, I don't know. I, I need something more. I need, I need to really sink into mm -hmm. something an hour long is, you know, 45 minutes, an hour. That's kind of good. I listened to a podcast by this comedian, Nate Bargetzi, the Nate land podcast. His are two hours long. And I just, continue to snack on them as I'm doing dishes mm -hmm. and I get in my car and things like that. So it matters like in those contexts where the conversation can just be free flowing, you know, we're not like strategically every question trying to figure out how to move the people listening to this episode mm -hmm. through the episode, listen to the end, because we just assume that people have come here to just sit for a while, you know? And I think when you mm -hmm. have, that's a very different thing than when you're scrolling when you're trying to stop someone from scrolling, that's very hard. If I'm just scrolling, that's what I've decided to do. I've decided to be in scrolling mode and it's hard to get me to invest in anything, to click away to a different site to do, you know, I just want like quick hits. So it really yep. becomes like kind of like just managing like what you think your audience will be 
doing at that point. If, if it's a program page and you have a lot of copy, you know, you probably get away with someone reading a lot more because it's like, if they want to know more about the, the program, this is how they would know. You know, they read it. I'm not trying to like get you to stop watching cat videos to come learn about this completely irrelevant college program, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. but, but yeah, so there's a balance there, but yeah, definitely writing, editing, making it tighter, using bold, you know, headlines and things that allow for skimming those things come into play. But, but yeah, so Oprah wanted to ask you another question. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> Oprah says, all right, darlings, let's get real. Universities want to shine bright like a diamond on every new platform, but how can they channel their inner wisdom to pick the ones that truly light up their unique brand instead? That sounds that sounds kind of Oprah-ish to me. We've already kind of covered this, but I, I, I want to get back onto the topic of like platform overwhelm. So tell Oprah what you think about that. Yeah, I think in Able to Shine, again, you, you need to pick your hill. Pick the hill that you're going to own, and this is going to be my shining hill. If you had unlimited resources, I think you could pick every hill that pops up and go with the flow. Okay, MySpace is dead. We don't need to be on MySpace. You know, we can go with the ebb and flow of what's hot and what's not. But we don't have unlimited resources, so we need to be really focused on the hills that we can do well on and that we can own. I think what's important is then once you have that hill and you're shining on that hill, I think what you'll see is happen is that hill gets either higher or broader as you're becoming this destination on platform whatever. Again, it may not be the one that has the greatest reach, but if what you're seeing is engagement from, if you're looking at it at enrollment, if you're looking at engagement from the right demographics, if you're seeing clicks from that, from that platform onto your website, you know, I don't need every high school student in the world to come to UCM. We're not right for every student, but there is a student that we're right for. Are we seeing these students engaging with our platform? You know, again, I need 10 students. I don't need a thousand students. Yeah. Sure, I'd love a thousand students, but I yeah, need 10 to en- I need 10 to enroll. <laughs> you right. know, 10 makes a difference. It really does. So, yeah, instead of thinking about trying to be everywhere and I think you just you only have so much power, so much light, and so you're going to be dimmer if you spread yourself too thin as opposed to staking your claim on this is my hill and I'm going to be bright and shiny. Yeah. And so there's like the main, the mainstream. So there's X and there's Facebook or meta, I guess we're calling everything yeah. by a new name. now. I know <laughs> Instagram, you know, was it? So there's the main players, TikTok. Then there's these kind of like newcomers threads. Be real isn't, is one. There's some that have kind of left. What was that one? That was, it was like audio rooms. Let you go oh, in like chat. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Something like that. Okay. I'm going to forget about trying to think of the name, (laughs) but there's like, there's these like fringe ones too. Like, Mm -hmm. like there's probably hundreds of social networks, social media places that are trying to build a community. You couldn't possibly be on all of them, but it is worth experimenting with some. So you mentioned threads. Have you experimented much with threads or did you just say like, this is not for us right now? Not a whole lot. And one of the reasons, and and I may be, 
completely wrong on this. I need to look it up. But so the way it's set up with Instagram, you're, it's tagged, it's linked to your Instagram account. That's where they're getting all the big influx of new users came in. But it's my understanding, if I were to leave, I can't cancel my Threads account without deleting my Instagram account. Yeah. And so we haven't, as a university, started a Threads account simply because I would just have to let it die. And I don't like just letting things die and just sit there Interesting. either. And so what we've done is on a personal side, we're, you know, my, my social manager and myself and others are, are, we're on threads and kind of trying to feel it out a little bit, see if this is the direction. But from a university standpoint, we're not experimenting with it right now. And I think it really is for main part because, and again, I'm probably, whether I'm right or wrong, this is my perception that I couldn't just kill my Threads account. I would have to lose my Instagram account if I did that. Yeah, that's a good point, you know, because you don't want someone to go there and it's just dead. And it's you just know, dead, yeah, exactly. Sends the yep. wrong message. Yep, yep. Well, cool. This has been a great conversation. I'm going to let Oprah ask us one more question here. All right, let's do um, it. Take us out, Oprah. <laughs> this, is a, this is kind of a, um, a lofty question here. So if you don't have a, an intelligent answer, I don't blame <laughs> you because I'm not sure that I do. Um, All right. But Oprah wonders, hold on to your seats because we're peering into the crystal ball. The future of higher ed social media is right around the corner. Darren, how can universities channel their inner fortune teller and prepare for the digital revolution? I feel like Oprah is a little less cheesy than that. <laughs> I feel like she's a little more like, I don't know. But what do you got for us? Do you have anything? Um... Again, you can just say no. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I, but I think, it, I think it comes back to, to me, it comes back to your resources. You know, I also don't want to, I don't want to set up my, my social media manager for failure, for burnout. So the future is really in, in his hands in, in a lot of ways. I need to keep him challenged, keep him pushing, but I also have to be realistic in expectations and how many hours there are in a day and not take advantage of that. You know, I don't want to lose any of my team. I want this to be a place where they grow, again, they're, they're challenged, where they're doing things that they didn't think they could do, where they're developing professionally. I want to make it hard for them to leave. And so the future is really in, in his hands. I need to keep him healthy and wise and sane. So whatever comes down the pike, we're ready and able to adapt to it. Yeah, it's an interesting question because I feel like where is the line between we're not in the digital revolution and yes. we are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because I feel like we've been in it since like the nineties, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's just been slowly snowballing since, you know, everything's becoming more digital yeah. and. Yeah, exactly. And you know, our students have not known anything but digital. Yeah. They don't know analog. Right. You know? So yeah. What's next in the digital future? I have no idea. The key is to stay flexible. All right, cool. That's great. That's a great spot for us to end on. Darren, where can people find you at if they want to connect with you? Yeah, well, I, I am on, on LinkedIn, and I'm just Darren Rubinek, which, of course, is incredibly hard to spell because there are 14 ways to spell Darren, but I'm I'm two R's E-N, and then Rubinek is R-O-U 
B-I-N-E-K. You can find me on LinkedIn or email. It's just Rubinek at ucmo.edu. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on the show. I appreciate, you know, just kind of processing things out with that. I think it's interesting for our listeners to hear from someone that has a lot of it figured out, but doesn't have it all figured out yet. And is still kind of, you know, still kind of having these conversations with their team and things like that. So I appreciate you being here. Oh, absolutely. John, my pleasure. Such an honor. Big fan. So glad to, <laughs> so glad to, to, to help out if I can. All right. The podcast has one fan. It, okay. It is, well, it is Darren. It is me. And he's here today. So, <laughs> well, I'll, I'll bring Brad in next time. Yeah. Next time you have yeah. me, I'll have Brad come with me. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's sexy it up a little more in here, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not that you're not sexy, but you thank know. you. But no, I understand. I understand. The bar was high. <laughs> All right, cool. Thank you for listening. Three things I want to give you before you go. A reminder to go to pricing.unveiled.tv if you're interested in our subscriptions and download our free pricing guide. Uh, number two, reminder to sign up for my weekly newsletter for insights on creating deeper emotional impact with your institution's storytelling and content creation efforts. Number three, would love for you to leave a review for this podcast. It helps us out a ton. Uh, my name is John Azoni. Go connect with me on LinkedIn. In the meantime, we'll catch you on the next episode of the Higher Ed Storytelling University podcast. Thanks.